What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Penn State football is in the middle of their first week of practice. And on Saturday, Penn State hosts, hosts their media day. So we want to give you an early preview of what to expect. What questions are the media going to ask? What storylines are going to come out of that? It's James Franklin's first time talking since the start of camp and since Big Ten Media Day in July. We'll get into it on the BWI Daily Edition. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. BWI Daily Edition. I'm joined in a moment by Greg Pickle, who's currently having some technical difficulties with his camera. We'll get that sorted out in just one second. But uh, we are going to be previewing Big Ten Media Day here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, and we're going to get into the mind of a reporter today because here's the situation. Typically, you get to ask one question of the Penn State head coach, James Franklin, during media day. Sometimes you get another, depending on the day. But I'm going to give Greg the opportunity to ask five questions here on the show. What are the top five things he wants to know from Franklin for Big Ten media day? The next thing we're going to to get into is practice. Uh, What are the things that uh, the storylines coming out of the first week? Because that's some of the stuff that James Franklin is going to be asked. And then, of course, what are we looking for going forward with with camp is what, what sort of schedule when are the big highlight moments we need to know about all that coming up we'll give you that information greg joining us now on the bwi daily edition greg are you ready to get into it let's see if the camera holds up for the whole show t frank i'm ready to get into it hopefully my equipment (laughs) is as well Oh, I'm sweating bullets on this side. I have no idea how much charge is in my camera battery. I usually do, but we're playing roulette today, so this is going to be fun. So let I, I just set everything up for us. Five questions. I'm giving you the floor. You get to have basically an individual one-on-one interview with James Franklin, so you get to ask all the questions on your mind, but I am limiting it to five because you could ask a thousand. So what are the five things you want to know starting with number five? Yeah, so I think obviously we just heard from James Franklin at Penn State, or I'm sorry, Big Ten Media Day. So we covered a lot of the big picture program stuff, the Sean Clifford uh, Union and Big Ten Student Athlete Committee and all that. We've covered that. Those boxes are checked. Uh, We covered his thoughts on name, image, and likeness. That is checked. We talked about Pat Kraft in Indianapolis, so that's done, and the impact he is making. So now we can focus on football, T. Frank, which I know is what you love more than anything else in me as well. So I think that uh, you could order these questions in just about any way, shape, or form. But when I look at where Penn State is right now through the first week of camp, a lot of the questions you're going to hear on Saturday are going to focus on position battles. And so I'll open the bidding with the start of that safety competition. So we know that Jair Brown is obviously in rhythm and obviously ready to go. Uh, But the question I have, T. Frank, is where else is that 
ship sailing in terms of the other uh, safety that will play beside him. So is it Keaton Ellis leading early? Is it Jalen Reed? Is it Zeke Wheatley? Or is it somebody else? So, uh, you know, I think obviously when I look at where that is, it's an important battle for Anthony Poindexter and his group to figure out. And Jair Brown, you're going to be able to read about it on bluewhiteillustrated.com later today, but he loves the freshman safeties, Tyrese Mills, KJ Winston, and Christian Driver. So this is going to be a fascinating competition that, I don't know if they have, they need to pick a winner, obviously, but I think you're going to see a lot of guys play back there this fall. Yeah. And that's, that's been kind of the common thread, no matter who you talk to, whether it's, we talked to Zaki Wheatley during the summer with freshman availability, whether it's comments from some of the veterans and some of the players at the position, really the only person that hasn't committed to anything is Manny Diaz because he's just saying, we'll see. So it is right. it is a very deep and talented room and there are opportunities for a lot of guys to carve out a role. I want to ask you about one player that I think is a part of the conversation, but maybe isn't because he's even listed differently on the roster than the rest of the players. And that is Tyrese Mills. He's listed as a defensive back, not a safety, not a corner, not a linebacker. I've been uh, hitting the drum for him to be that field backer situation with Jonathan Sutherland. So what do you think of him as far as, you know, where do you think he ends up? Is he a part of the conversation in that camp battle? Well, so I think that's another question that's a kind of a builder off of this first one is that where does he end up? What have they learned about him since he got to campus? Remember, just like KJ Winston, just like Christian Driver, he did not make it to campus for spring practice. So mm-hmm. we're still learning to see what exactly it is that he brings to this team. And so I think the biggest question for me, T. Frank, is just where did his body go over the last six months compared to where we last saw it when he was at Lackawanna? And how does that change where he's going to play at the next level? So it was a hard question to maybe ask James Franklin in Indianapolis, because if you went back and watched his full press conference or read any of the stories written about it, I mean, when he was asked for specifics at different positions, whether it was guard or whether it was this or that, I mean, it's really hard to say before they get on the field. You can have all the feeling right. in the world that you want coming out of the camp or I'm sorry, spring practice, but it's a different animal once you get to camp. So the first week's not going to answer all of our questions, but it should be able to help answer some of them and where Tyrese Mills is going to start his career. Is certainly one of them. Yeah, and another player, another new player, a lot of new things we're going to be running down in your list of five questions. Who's the other new player you're interested in? Give us number four. Yeah, so obviously when you look at where Penn State is at this point along the defensive line, they have to, they have to replace a number of talented defensive ends. And we know that Adisa Isaac is back, and we know that Nick Tarbert is back. But who's going to step up there and be behind them or maybe even beat one of them out? I doubt it, but we'll see. But, of course, it's the Maryland transfer, Chop Robinson, that has my eye at this point. We have not had a chance to talk to him since getting to campus. We've heard good things about him from players and coaches and teammates and whatnot since he arrived from Maryland but you know Penn State was really high on him as a recruit he was a five-star guy four-star depending on which service you're looking at and really an impressive player who got his feet wet in the Big Ten at Maryland last year so what do they know about him at this point and how good do they feel about his ability to contribute we should get a chance to talk to him we will get a chance to talk to James Franklin and Manny Diaz so I expect to learn much about how he's fitting into that defensive end competition. Uh, Nate Bauer and myself, we previewed yesterday the defensive line position in our in our two a days here on the BWI YouTube channel and on wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe and hit notifications so you don't miss anything there. Or if you're uh, listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate and review. Help us out. Always super appreciated. But we broke down the defensive line yesterday 
And I want to get your opinion on that because Chop Robinson, obviously, it's a it's a position that Penn State has a lot of talent now, but they don't necessarily have any sort of proven commodities there. How does he fit into that situation? Knowing more about him will help us know that. But what, what's your general long view of that position and who will ultimately emerge? What do you think? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, T. Frank, is just is Smith Vilbert ready to explode off of that outback bowl explosion, if you will, and really take the next step and become a guy who is either a starter for Penn State or someone who is able to play in a second team role and play a lot of snaps? You know, where's Nick Tarburton at this point? Health has been an issue. Is he a guy that can take a Jesse Lucetta like step, even though, of course, he's played defensive end his whole career? He came here as a linebacker, but that quickly ended. And so, you know, I think those are kind of the things we need to see more about and hear more about here over the next week, week and a half, two weeks is where are those guys at? But to me, I mean, if you look at the recruiting tape, it was obviously tremendous. If you look at what he did at mm -hmm. Maryland, it's not, ex you know, it's not extreme. I mean, by any yeah. means, it's not like he set the world on fire, but it wasn't yeah. bad. Um, yeah. And then speaking of first year guys who could be somewhere between pretty solid or not bad for their first year and maybe explosive. What do you do with Nye Dennis Sutton at this point? How close is right. he to being able to play? So when you put all that together, John Scott Jr. has a ton of exciting pieces to work with, and I'm sure he's thrilled to have them. But in terms of what we know about the group, that's the scariest part, T. Frank. We just don't know enough at this point about all of the different parts of this, this unit because some of them have not seen the field much. Some of them have only seen it in bits and pieces. And in the case of denied Dennis Sutton, hasn't seen the college field yet at all. So they have much yeah. to figure out there. But I, I feel confident, if nothing else, you're going to hear about these guys plenty over the course of the next month and the course of the season. Possibly the biggest boom or bust position for Penn State in 2022 is that defensive end position because sky high right. ceiling, you know, as you just laid out very eloquently. But what if none of them hit? That's a huge, right. that that's also a reality. And that's not saying that they never hit, just maybe not in 2021, maybe not early in the season. And there's some problems with the defense that is very much a place we need to know more information about in yep. camp. But the premier battle at camp comes in at number three for you of things you want to ask James Franklin, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he said uh, at Big Ten Media Days that the middle linebacker battle would go deep into camp was his quote. So I'm not expecting to learn a ton about where that thing stands at this point. And, you know, he's either going to be telling us uh, a little bit of a fib, either if he goes into great detail about who's leading, then the, what he said right. in Indianapolis wasn't true. Or if he, uh, you know, obviously if he tells us that things are slowly coming along, that would be more in line with what he just said a week ago. But yeah, the big question to me is, you know, the the one part of that quote is, you know, they are going to have a deep battle in the camp to figure out who the leader of the defense is going to be, which of course we all know the middle linebacker often is. But you know, the question is, how far apart were those guys when they started spring practice? Where were they when they ended spring practice? And how does that gap either need to be closed by one of them or is one of them so far ahead that he's getting a majority of the first team reps? I'm not expecting James Franklin to commit to any of that on yeah. uh, Saturday at Penn State Media Day. It's a, It's been a few. It's going to be a handful of practices in by then, not even a handful, a few. And so yeah. I don't think you're going to come out of that saying, yep. 
we have a really good sense of where this middle linebacker job is going. But, you know, we, we can learn more about what Manny Diaz is looking for at that position and maybe how one guy's skill set does or does not fit that better than the other one or worse than the other one for that matter. So I just think that that's one where when we get the chance to talk to Manny Diaz, we're going to have the opportunity to really get inside of his mind and get a sense for what these guys' strengths are, what their areas of improvement are, and how that's going to end up ultimately deciding who wins this battle. Yep, Tyler Elsden, 233 pounds. Kobe King, 245 pounds on the current updated roster. So two solid players in the middle of the defense and uh, two quality players as far as, you know, what we've seen of them and their potential, their pedigree. So finding that information out is going to go a long way to determining how the future of the defense kind of takes shape. But another player that has been on the fringe of this conversation, but maybe isn't, but maybe is, but maybe isn't depending on the month is a guy I wrote about today at bluewhiteillustrated.com. You can sign up for just $1, by the way, and we're getting into the season. So I can't imagine that that's going to happen for much longer. So if you're watching the show, you follow us on YouTube, but you don't subscribe to the channel. And I know you're out there. I I'm, I'm looking at you. I can see you sign up for a dollar. It's a package deal for a dollar of 12 months of access. And you can read premium content like our conversation today about Abdul Carter. Is he in the Mike linebacker conversation or is he at that will position? The last time we talked to James Franklin, it was still up in the air. Do you think we'll get any sort of clarity about that from Franklin as to their, do they have a definite plan yet? I think to me that they're probably starting off with a little bit of cross training. I mean, I still would be very surprised if they feel pretty good about where Tyler Elston and Kobe King are. I I just am hard pressed to think that they're going to hurry Abdul Carter along into a very challenging middle linebacker role when they could just let him do what Micah Parsons did as a freshman, maybe not to the same level. That's an unfair barometer to set, but to do kind of the things that his body and his skill set naturally allow him to do at this stage and it let him thrive at the high school level. So I would still be very surprised, T. Frank, if he's in that middle linebacker battle this year. Next year, probably a different story. But for now, I think that's probably the place where Penn State can get the most out of him in year one. And We've spent uh, thousands of words and hours on the daily and at blueillustrated.com talking about the fact that the linebacker numbers are pretty limited. So you better pick and choose (laughs) carefully where you want to get guys ready and where you're going to use them because there's a decent chance you're going to need them at some point this season just based on where the numbers are. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking the opposite thing. If Carter is able to play right now, they've got Jamari Budden. They've got Curtis Jacobs. They've got two guys that they feel good about at Mike linebacker. Considering now that, you know, from a from a talent perspective of who the pool of players and body types you're pulling from, there's only two linebacker spots. So they like the orange juice, the frozen orange juice in the can. They've condensed everything. So, right. you know, I, I, I'm on the opposite view of maybe we're going to see more depth from that linebacker position than we have previously, if you view it through a certain lens, which is always the, the dangerous part. But let's Yeah, move I on. think the biggest challenge, Steve Frank, I'll, I'll be brief, but I think the biggest challenge there, and this is an issue that probably is number one if you were going to ask a question that's going to get you an answer that doesn't really do you any good. But, I mean, the biggest <laughs> challenge is, I mean, basically what you just said at a number of positions. You have a lot of talent on paper and a lot of guys yeah. who should be impact players on paper and ready to play on paper. But will they be at Purdue in week one or at home against Ohio in week two or at Auburn in week three? There's a lot of projection and a lot of uh, if you're a Penn State fan, I think hope that all these things are going to come together. 
but that's also part of the problem is that they have to come together. And you've yeah. mentioned a couple of times now just that very idea of when you look at things, yeah, the numbers and the depth should be good. And James Franklin said that he feels very good about the depth, uh, and that's great in August and as you get rolling into camp and come down to spring practice. But do you have it in September? That's really all that matters, and we're not going to know until then. Look at you with all your realism and objectivity. I'm just all caught up in the excitement of football being back and, and being like, hey, everyone's, I'm right everyone's there with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. No, I'm right there with you. But it's just, I think that's the hardest part about predicting anything about this team this year. It's just that yeah. you have to make those decisions to do it. Um, yeah. and it's very easy to come down on one side or the other, excuse me, just based on uh, what part of the coin you fall on. Yeah. And it, another Another part of this factor, not to get too far out into the weeds on this, but right. the linebackers in general, let's use Tyler Elsden as an example. I thought he played well in the bowl game. Now, if you talk to Penn State fans and you said the middle linebacker played well in a bowl game where they gave up like 250 yards rushing, that is not true. That, that, that can't be true. But, right. you know, with team defense, if defensive tackles and other guys are not filling their gaps, if you've got safeties that are new and they're not run fitting properly, you can be in your you can be in your gap. You can do your job. And even if you make the, the running back bounce, if somebody isn't there to tackle him, it doesn't really matter, um, right. you know, as far as the overall result. So it may be a good linebacker group. But if the defensive line can't stop the run like they did last year, we'll be in a similar situation. Uh, we're having another bit of a technical difficulty here with Greg's camera, but we we're still back. have him by audio. We're not back. <laughs> we're back. Yes. We're not back. We'll continue on while you get the, if you can do double duty and get the technical difficulty sorted, we'll do double duty here. So coming in at number two, uh, I'm just going to take this for you here while you get that situated. How much has PJ Musfer been able to do? We saw 10 minutes of practice on Monday and I was on the other side of the field looking at the offensive line, the running backs, the receivers, but I know that PJ Mustafer was out there. He's been doing uh, drills, it seems, but is he a part of the contact? Is he not right. part of the contact? To me, that's a big question about the number of reps and the type of reps he's getting at this point in camp. Is that fair to say where your mind was going with that? It is, yeah. And obviously, I don't think Penn State's doing a whole lot of contact stuff in the first week of uh, practice, and they're not probably yeah. uh, going full tilt at this point. You know, that's just not the way the schedule typically works. But, yeah, I mean, that's the big question to me, T. Frank. Just where is he at this point? We heard him talk previously about how he passed the conditioning test, and it was that box that he was able to check and so on and so forth. But, you know, where is he at now that camp is actually here? That's the big question to me, just as Penn State – looks at this defensive tackle pitcher again another position where there's reasons to feel good about it but if you don't have a fully healthy pj mustafer then you don't feel as good about it so i mean all right. signs at this point t frank are pointing to him being full go for the opener at purdue and no restrictions or at least as few of them as possible for a guy who just had major knee surgery back in october or early yep. december whatever it was so early november that would be whatever it was so I mean, I think that it, that question, though, is going to continue. It can, it can be talked about and felt good about and all those things. But until we see it on game day, it's going to keep coming up. Yeah, and I don't see any way around it, truthfully. Like, this is where right. we're going to find that information out. If you're finding out in week one, then you the timeline wasn't right to begin with. Right. So the last question and i'm i'm going to i'm going to assume that this means this is the question you're going to ask if you can like if if this question isn't asked already but is this the question you're going to ask james franklin on saturday 
Yeah, probably in different words, but you know, at these media day events every year, there's some kind of question or the coach addresses it in his opening statement. And it's not at Penn State only, it's all over the place. You know, after a week of camp or two weeks of camp, is the offense ahead of the defense? Is the defense ahead of the offense? And it comes up even more in a situation like this, where you have an offensive coordinator back for a second season and a defensive coordinator who is new and putting a new scheme in. And what makes this interesting to me is. For almost the entirety of the James Franklin era, it has been a consistent presence on defense and a not consistent presence on offense. And so this is the first year where that's reversed. So, you know, if you go back and look at some of what James Franklin has said in past years, there's been different thoughts about where the offense is, defense is at various points of camp. But my question just would be, We've heard all offseason from Mike Yersich, from James Franklin, from Sean Clifford about how beneficial and other players in the offense, how beneficial it is to have a second year with an offensive coordinator and be able to have the same message, the same approach, the same scheme, so on and so forth. So that tells me that the offense should be pretty far ahead of the defense at this point. Maybe not pretty far, but at least have an advantage as the defense gets its really feet under it for the first time in the preseason training camp under Manny Diaz. Obviously, most of them had the spring, but I'm curious to hear how this big benefit that James Franklin and Sean Clifford and Mike Yersich all feel like they have has played out in reality on the practice field. Is this and is this kind of a backdoor question about the quarterback situation of how Sean Clifford feels in the offense, or is this more about the offensive line or sorry, the offense as a whole, considering the offensive line is something we're going to get into a little bit later and some of the other things that we can talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you look at this offense, there's obviously some key pieces back and then they have some decisions to make up front. But, you know, by and large, they seem to love their running back room with good reason. They seem to feel pretty good about where they are at receiver with good reason. But, you know, again, this offense is only going to go despite all that stuff, you know, unless something crazy happens as far as Sean Clifford takes it. And one of the biggest benefits he has going into this season, beside it being his sixth year in the program and, and you know, another year as a starter, is he's finally doing it in a year where his coordinator's the same as it was last year. So to me, that's the big thing, T. Frank, is all of what we heard over the course of the last six months, uh, is it really playing out in reality on the field now that uh, practice week one is here. Yeah. So those are the five questions, and I wanted to get that one in at the end because none of them were about a quarterback. It's, right. Despite the, you know, it's everyone knows about Sean Clifford, and yet I think the number one question for a lot of fans and the one I've seen so far just from posting highlights and, and our conversations on the message board is, what about Drew Aller? What does Drew Aller look like? And it's like that might not even be a topic of conversation when it comes to the important things from media day couple other news and notes we're going to get to. Some other things we, we might learn or we hope to learn from Saturday. First week of practice, what are you anticipating from that as far as uh, an evaluation? We got into a little bit earlier, but do you think James Franklin will give an evaluation of what he's seen so far in the first two to three practices? Yeah, maybe a limited one, but I think it's too early. And now look, the media day setup, if you're not familiar with it, I mean, he talks for about 30 to 40 minutes and then the coordinators talk for about 10, 15 minutes each. And then the players are all available, the returning ones anyway. And usually the transfers, they were at least last year, are available for interviews. And then there's practice open to the media for about 10, 15 minutes. So that's kind of the layout of how the day works. And so there's a lot of information to consume, but 
it's kind of a catch-22 in a way. Now, in past years, we do at least have the benefit of them having a few practices because in past years, Media Day has coincided with the start of training camp. Now, right. I don't know if it's the way it is this year. I'm assuming it's because they open on a Thursday and not on a Saturday. Yeah. So that's why the schedule has shifted a bit. That'd be my guess. I don't know that. But, you know, so we do at least have the benefit of them having a few practices to maybe get some of that insight that we wouldn't have got before because, you know, he would always sit up there. Or the coordinator would always sit up there, James Franklin, or the coordinators in past years. And, you know, they'd be asked to evaluate guys that they haven't seen on the field yet. So right. unlike unlike years past, T. Frank, we're going to be able to at least hear what Chop Robinson looks like in a, in a Penn State uniform or Hunter Norzad in Penn State uniform. So, yeah. you know, obviously we all saw Mitchell Tinsley in the spring game, and that was great. But, you know, we'll at least have a few practices to ask about. And, and you've got to be careful because you don't want to – small sample size it and make it somebody out to be something that they either are or aren't based off of just what we hear uh, from the first couple of practices. But I'm sure there's some guys standing out and he's always James Franklin is careful to go too far down that path of who's standing out in fear of forgetting somebody. But yeah. it's usually a safe bet that when he does single some guys out, there's a darn good reason for it. One of the things that fans have asked me in particular is what's the schedule like? And, and that is important to get the information you just talked about of who is standing out. How are those battles going? You know, the scrimmages are very important and the structure of camp is very important, giving us tent poles of where we should be looking to get that information. So are you expecting to get that information from Franklin as far as when we should set our calendars uh, on Saturday? I think you'll get vaguely that information, like you'll be able to piece it together. I'm not sure that you're going to get the whole schedule laid out for you. But, you know, the way that question is going to come up to you, Frank, I just kind of hit on it a second ago. But the question is going to come up is how does this Thursday night opener change the way you've done camp in the past? And I don't want to sit here and put words in James Franklin's mouth, but I'm willing to bet that the answer is going to be something to the effect of, well, it really doesn't. Like it might change the days things happen, like maybe before they would scrimmage on a Saturday because that was the way the camp schedule worked out. And now that they started camp uh, maybe a little bit earlier than normal, maybe they'll do it on a Thursday or something like that. But I mean, by and large, I wouldn't expect the day-by-day schedule to change, the day might just change on the calendar, if that makes sense. So, right. you know, ultimately, I think we will learn a little bit about what this Thursday night opener means and how that could change things. But, yeah, by and large, I don't expect to see or hear a complete schedule, but we should be able to at least get a feel for it. Yeah, when when they're not they're not even telling us who the starters and backups are, I don't think we're going to be getting a detailed itinerary of their schedule. So that's always it's always when you do get that information, it's nice. Uh, right. Other topics, anything we haven't hit on yet that you want to mention before we get into some other stuff to end the show? Yeah, I mean, I think of course the the one thing we probably haven't talked about a ton is the guard battle between Hunter yeah. Norzad, Landon Tangwall, and Salim Warmly, and. My biggest question there really, T. Frank, and you, I think you probably agree with this as well, is that, you know, we keep hearing and have heard that Salim Warmly was going to be a starter for Penn State before he was injured last year. Okay, yeah. that's great. I, I'm willing to buy that. Um, but what, you know, we haven't learned what the injury was, and it's very rare, of course, when we do learn what a specific injury is at Penn State. But the question for me is, like, how far away from that form is he after a year off and whatever rehab he had to do and all of that kind of stuff? I mean, it just feels like Landon Tangwall having the full season under his belt that he did and Hunter Norzad having the, uh, you know, seasons that he has had in the past. Uh, and by the way, 
I can't tell you how many times I'm going to try and not do it, but do it anyway and refer to him as Eric Wilson just because of their similar <laughs> background. So uh, I'm going to really try hard not to do that. Yeah. But uh, that just made me uh, made me laugh thinking about that. But no, I mean, uh, you know, the seasons that he has had, I mean, I just wonder if those two come into camp with an advantage just based on recent form and everything else and where Salim Wormley is now compared to where he was where he was when. Penn State thought he was a potential starter for them last year before the injury. So that's a fascinating battle. I do feel like we end up seeing all three of those guys at Purdue. Uh, Penn State fans have, I think, a love-hate relationship with this whole idea of playing more than five offensive linemen. But yeah. I think at least for another season, you're going to see that happen inside. So or at least early. Maybe not for the whole season, but at least early. Yeah. Here's the thing about that that situation is one of the things that has prevented this offensive line in a lot of ways from progressing is a lack of competition. If a guy isn't performing, it's not that there's some hidden gem on the bench, and I know we can have the conversation about Landon Tangwall. Oh, but... come on, T. Frank. The backup's always the man. Come on. Right, right. It's not like <laughs> they've had guys that have been pushing. Like, people haven't won battles. They have been the guy that is the starter. There's a huge difference. Right. So, Salim Wormley, and you saw him there on the screen a, a minute ago, J.B. Nelson, some of these guys, maybe Vega Yuane, as uh, we were at a, a camp. This is, a, again, a side note. We were at a camp on Friday. And James Franklin was standing in front of some parents of 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 prospects. And he's he says, Vega, come over here. And he has Vega come over and he says, how old do you think this guy is? And of course, Vega is six foot four, six foot three, 330 pounds with a full beard. I'm not talking right. like this. It is down to here. And he looks it, like know, T Frank. You know what he looks like? He looks like the kind of offensive lineman you would get out of the transfer portal, not one you would just yeah. get out of high school who arrived on campus like uh, three weeks ago or whatever it was. Yeah, he 100%. Looks like a guy I'd be scouting, uh, you know, in his junior season of like, okay, is he a draftable player? Like, that's the sort of physical presence this that he has. Is he a part of the conversation? Because James Franklin is unabashedly excited about him. So. What is what is that competition due to the players at the interior of that offensive line? And does that competition bleed over and leave you some options at tackle behind the guys that are there? Because if this is always the, the conversation we get into about the offensive line, interior guys, and then you've got the perimeter tackles and there aren't enough of those guys ever. Lennon Tangwall is to me the obvious backup at those positions. But if you have to move him there, is there somebody to step in and keep that level of play up? Because if not, yeah, you would kind of back so. where you were before. Exactly. And that's the question we just don't know yet. I mean, they seem to think they have that depth more than they have before. I was actually just going through James Franklin's Big Ten Media Day transcript, T. Frank. And one thing he said was, we have a number of offensive linemen to create flexibility to allow us to get the best guy on the field. We're not a program that's got like true obvious tackles and true obvious guards. We have a few of those guys, but a lot of them are players that can play multiple multiple positions. That's really where you want to be. So that's kind of what you're talking about here. I don't know if it's where yeah. you want to be. That's where he has to be because that's what they yeah. have right now. I'm pretty sure you want true bookend tackles. I don't think there's any debating <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I but, agree. I, I think you I think you want to have guys that could play inside, but then kick out and be elite tackles. Right. You don't right. want to have guys that can kick out outside and kind of do it that's where they right <laughs> yeah and i think the tackle situation kind of goes under the radar too because kaden wallace is back and because olu yep. fashanu is uh, a player who got some experience last year and is now expected to start but 
you know, are those guys ready for a better season too? Uh, or is this yeah. whole group ready for a better season? And here we are again, August 3rd, uh, August 4th, August 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. It doesn't matter. Whatever year, uh, whatever time of the year you would usually preview media day, uh, you're sitting here talking about the offensive line. So here we go yeah. again. Same old song and dance. Well, we saved it for the end at least, but not quite the end because we do have one more thing. You are our wrestling reporter. So there's a bunch of stuff that we want to get to with you when it comes to football. But anything you got for us from a wrestling perspective, I'd be happy to have it. Any news, anything we need to know about the national champions with Kale Sanderson coming back uh, and uh, pursuing even more dominance if that was possible. Yeah, two things I'll note. One, Penn State picked up a late 2022 commitment from Carl Schindeldecker. He's a three-time Pennsylvania State placer out of Chambersburg, who's won 100 career, a little more over, a little more than 100 career matches uh, during his time at the prep level. So he's going to join uh, the group of guys who are on campus for the class, or will be on campus for the class of 2022. So a nice depth addition there, and we'll see what his career looks like. He's going to be a lightweight at Penn State, it, it appears. So I, I think that's a good late get for the room. And then obviously, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show t frank but pat Kraft clearly willing to throw his weight behind james franklin and all of his coaches including kale sanderson who he said uh, out at big 10 media days that they're working on some stuff that the wrestling program certainly prioritizes as well didn't go into details about that or his yeah. contract but whatever you got to do to keep that guy happy you do and i'm sure pat Kraft knows that and appreciates that and will make sure it gets done yeah, that's uh, w that's what I said to you the other day when I read your article is, oh, no, look at this underdog program getting more support. <laughs> like if they haven't been getting the support they need and they've been winning this way, like just just stop the competition. It's over. The, they've right. won it all. It, it, it just stop it like they can they can retire, I guess. I don't know. How do you how do you have a prog program become more dominant with more resources? It's just it's a bit mind bending. Right. No, and it is. But I do think that, you know, the one part of that answer was talking about the NIL part of it and that, mm -hmm. you know, and we talked about this before, but, uh, you know, again, the, the football, we focus on football, but it's not the only program that is going to be benefited by name, image and likeness. All yep. of Penn State's athletic uh, programs are because that's how you get, keep and retain your best talent. And that's why you'll see in the transfer portal players moving around and they might try and tell you it's not NIL related and they might t try and explain that it has nothing to do with it. Well, guess what? Maybe some cases will be like that, but if someone is somewhere and they think they can either play for a higher level of success, whether that's individual or team titles somewhere else, and they have the talent to do it, but not the talent around them to do it, they're going to move. And then if yeah. you combine that with the fact that they could maybe make some more money or any money doing it compared to where they're at, then they're definitely going to go. So, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately as we unravel the, you know, we could be here for hours unraveling the name, image, and likeness transfer portal thread. Um, yeah. But ultimately it's not to do it. it. <laughs> no, we, no, we it's we're, football's back, right? We don't need to do yeah. that anymore. But um. At the end of the day, football is always going to be the focus of NIL, but it's going to be yeah. a big deal for other programs as well. Yeah, and that that I think is an important spotlight. Whether it's it's women's programs that they are, this is their highest level of competition for some of them, or where they'll be on one of their largest stages, or can help them catapult to another higher level of a you know a, a program at the professional level, or smaller programs in general where it's maybe there isn't a professional sport. So that is absolutely a great point. And one of the things that NIL was supposed to do that we're like, yeah, great, great, great. Now let's get on to the other stuff, uh, the big ticket items that we talk about all the time, which is some of the stuff we're, I, we're guilty for on this show, me in particular, focusing 
specifically on one area. So Greg, thank you for bringing us perspective and thank you for bringing us your insight about big, uh, about Penn state media day. Yeah, it was always a pleasure T Frank and uh, we'll have plenty of coverage at blue white illustrated this weekend. Yep. Saturday, uh, they'll be there. We'll have coverage uh, for, at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Unfortunately, I will not be able to be there. So Greg and Nate are taking up the mantle and they're going to do a great job. I will be in spe- I'm kidding. I, I can't even finish that joke. Have a great weekend and uh, anything you need, you let me know. All right. All right, T. Frank. All I know is that we'll have plenty to talk about next week. There's no doubt about that. Oh, and I'm going to be looking for help then. So I won't be able to help you on Saturday, but I'll uh, we'll, we'll have you on the show on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday to recap. So we'll have all of that here on the BWI Daily Edition on uh, podcast version or YouTube. Once again, if you're watching and you're listening to the outro music, make sure you hit the like button. Always appreciate it. Helps us with the almighty algorithm. And if you're listening on podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. We will be back tomorrow.